0: Oh, kia katoa, katoa, It's great to be here this morning to share with you all. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to sort of stay in this position for. It. You'll see some reasons coming up fairly soon. But um, I'm standing here. I've just realised I don't have the clicker. I forgot to pick it up. Does anyone can someone guide me to that? Probably fairly important. These are missions as they happen. Well... So just while it's making its way, I guess we're starting a, a new series this morning. I've been asked to, to kick it off uh, looking at the book of Galatians and I guess coming on the back of Easter, thank you very much, coming on the back of Easter, it's really important uh, for me anyway to think about how we, how we link what we've done so we don't sort of like Easter's gone and now we're starting something new. Um, and so I thought I'd just share with you a little bit about uh, the the experience that I had last weekend. My wife Jane and I were away, but um, we, we ended up, uh, you'll recognise perhaps this place, and this is sort of part of making the link together. So this is Waiuru, and we had the opportunity to call in there at the, um, at the War Museum and to have a look all through the, the exhibits. And it's kind of a salient reminder, particularly as we come now to this weekend and was prayed earlier, to be reminded of the stories that are inside that building of sacrifice... Of giving, of uh, laying down lives all in the, in, the, in the name of freedom, in the name of peace, in the name of, of seeing kind of the, the best in humanity pr- prevail. And yet, kind of coming outside and seeing the tank and uh, being reminded of the same image we see on television a lot at the moment with what's happening in Ukraine, and realizing that that fragile tension between peace and no peace appears to be present with us even this, this current age. It's not something that's in history. It's something that we live with, and it's something that Easter really is a message that we need to connect with there. We also took the opportunity, this was this time last week, um, to walk across the, the Tongariro Crossing. And, of course, from that perspective, you get an entirely different view of God. You, you, you can bathe in this incredible, majestic creation that we are a part of and we can experience. And uh, looking from there, just across to our right, you look into Red Crater and you're reminded of, of the fury of that creation as well, the incredible energy that is still pent up and in existence. And so our experience up in that area... Um, with Ruapehu in the background, and didn't have that much snow on it. Um, was was kind of a, a a time of reflection, a time of quiet, a time just to, to be connected with God at at Easter. And this uh, this image that you'll see there um, of Ruapehu is actually stolen <coughs> from the uh, the splash page on the front of the Waimarino Baptist Church in Raitihi. Okay, And you'll see at the top there, uh, they are, they're, they're helping people become lifelong followers of Jesus. And so we thought, well, being away for Easter, of course, we want to be able to celebrate with other Christians. And we searched around, and of course, that's how we came across this church. It was the only one kind of in that whole region. So we duly jumped in the car and, and found our way to this building here, which is on the main street of Raitehi, which is the... Um, the, the, where the Baptist uh, congregation meets there. And interestingly enough, another connection with where we are today, that used to be the RSA. Right? And so there's a whole lot of connections in the story as I think about it. But inside, we met a, a wonderful congregation of people. They, we, we were greeted first. It's always a good thing when you visit a church uh, to be greeted by food, isn't it? <laughs> and uh, it was all homemade stuff, and we enjoyed ourselves. And got talking to some very... Enthusiastic and passionate people about their church who told us that generally they have about 40 people who come and, and worship there, and we thought, well, that's, that's going to be pretty cool to be a part of a congregation like that. But of course, I'm sure many of you in, in here, a bit like me, as you travel around and you go to various church services, sometimes it can be a wee bit of a lottery, can't it, in terms of the experience you have, especially when you come from a, a church fellowship like this that's got so much energy and vibrancy and, and good people and, well this church uh, we were there, as I say, a little early. By the time the service started, there were almost 100 people there. Right? People had come out of everywhere. And even the local people are interested in, in knowing where they were from. And there were a large number of people like Jane and I who put our hands up and, um, when they asked who the visitors were. And it just reminded me a couple of things. Right? You know, how the family of God, the church of God, extends way beyond just a single place and a single time and we are united when we gather together like this and we were even more united I'd have to say when the first chord was struck on the guitar up the front I don't think I've experienced singing quite like it it was something I didn't expect and for about a bracket of about five songs everybody in that room a whole heap of people many of whom didn't even know each other before they gathered just sang their hearts out to God it was one of the most uplifting experiences I think I've had. And we, we sort of thought, well, you know, this, this whole experience of Easter, um, where this, this worship we could just find in a place like that, um, was made even more real when the guy who, who was there who got up to speak um, was a chap who obviously had had a fairly hard life, just making a, a visual kind of assumption about his appearance, but, uh, and later we discovered he had been a Christian walking in fellowship for four years. He'd become a Christian in that, in that church four years. He'd been really well discipled. His sermon had everyone stunned at the end. There was silence in the room. There were tears in people's eyes. And the thing that he spoke about was the message of Easter, not surprisingly, given it was Easter Sunday. And he chose one particular part of the theme of the Easter message to go through, and that was the concept of love love and he he teased that thread out from his own personal story from the scriptures from the experience the story of Easter uh, the experience of Jesus and God who so loved the world that he gave his only son he wove this magnificent story together I tell you what it was uh, it was pretty amazing there were a few other themes in there things like hope that in in Christ we have hope in, in a world that can at times seem fairly hopeless and and the other one was this grace, that that is undeserved. It's not something we can earn, it's not something that we can strive for in our own strength, but it is God's grace that exists. These I'll come back to these words because they're pretty, I think, quite significant. And uh, when I came back from that holiday, I was um, having my morning um, times with just devotion, just quiet time with God, and one of the passages that I read was um, this one from Mark 16, which, uh, depending on where you sit on the, on the Christian spectrum, uh, this was never regarded, this passage, as, as actually one of the original pieces of, of um, the, the Scripture when it was pulled together, but it's been added in the NIV as, as uh, being worthy of in inclusion. But you'll see there, when Jesus rose early, these, there's a series of stories of what was just prayed before, a series of stories of the experience after that death and resurrection, after Jesus had disappeared, stories of Jesus appearing to those that he, uh, he had previously had a relationship with. But you'll see there, when they heard what Jesus, that Jesus was alive and what Mary said had seen him, they did not believe it. And so it starts to scratch your head. You think, how could this fellowship these Christians in this first century church who had such an amazing connection with Jesus who, were, who gave up everything to follow him and who are now kind of in that limbo thinking what on earth has happened all the things that he said are no longer happening it seems and then they have this spark of hope someone comes along and says but I've seen him, I've seen him and what's their reaction? They don't believe him and then the next one we heard before the road to Emmaus, a couple of people wandering along the road. And um Jesus in their midst. But while he was there, later they had that experience. Oh we have our heart warm. But while they were there we find no. They did not believe him either. Right? And we move on to this one, where even when Jesus was with the uh the disciples afterwards, and they'd been told that um he uh that he was there, he, he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe. And it's so, you scratch your head and you think, you know, for many of us, and I know some, we were talking just last night with some who are in the room about that time of Lent and we, we give stuff up and we focus on the Lord and we, we make a special effort to reconnect with the time that we, we found faith for ourselves. Um, and then it's like Easter's over, move on. And this is not the story that I think we would want to be known for, is it? As we, we move on, as we, we shift from um, that high of Easter, these guys and women were kind of so bound up in their, in their own grief that they failed to see Jesus when he was right in their midst again. Now, why am I saying this? Well, there's a link here to the story in Galatians. And I'm going to, to weave it through to you a little, I hope. You see, because between, between when that happened and Paul is on his first missionary journey, something happened, which I'm not going to go into this morning because it's a part of what other people will speak about in, through Galatians, but um, it's recorded in Acts chapter 2, and it was the coming of the Holy Spirit. There was a real change in that relationship with God through the presence of the Holy Spirit in people's lives and so Paul was one of those who we, we all know the story of Paul wrote uh, to Damascus, had that experience where he um, he was suddenly blinded and then given sight again and he went from being someone who persecuted Christians to someone who was out and out and so he went on these journeys and where Galatians fits into this, Galatia, the church, it's not one church, it's several churches in a region of Galatia. And he, he went to places like this one up here, if you can see Antioch. Okay? Up here, there's a wonderful story in, in Acts chapter 13, where he's, that's the start of his, uh, his first journey. So he's in Antioch in Galatia, and he, uh, he sits here and he bewilders the chief priests and scribes, by going right the way back through the scriptures, the Old Testament. Right? Remember last year we laboured our way through Exodus? Right? that He took them through Exodus and through, and through all the other books, I guess, and unpacked the story and argued the case that Jesus, the preparation for Jesus, was represented all the way through there. And in Acts, it tells us, in Acts 13, it tells us that large numbers of people became Christians. They were won over as a result of his there. And then he moved on to um, this one here, Iconium. You know, and the same thing. There he became quite powerfully effective in his, his proclamation. But a few things started to happen there where because so many people were becoming committed to following Christ, remember this is a Gentile area. The local Jews became really upset, and this sets the scene for what we read about through the whole whole of the book of Galatians. That the Jews were saying, "Why, are you, why are you preaching to them? You know, God's promises to us." And Paul's pretty blunt, if I paraphrase. He says, "Well, you had your chance. You turned your back. So now I am going to the Gentiles." That's what God's told me to do. That'd be pretty hard to take if you were someone who really believed that you were God's chosen and the whole story is about you. And so in Iconium, that was where some real stirrings began to happen and um, it wasn't that pleasant a place. It was even less pleasant when he got down here to these two places of Lystra and Derbe where he, he experienced not only opposition but in those places, you'll read about in Acts 14, he ended up being physically attacked. In fact, they took him out and stoned him until they thought he was dead. That's pretty pretty rugged, right? Um, that's, that's a fairly savage thing to do. And they left him there. Fortunately, he wasn't dead, and other disciples came and picked him up and nursed him back to health, and he was able to have two more journeys. But I think the important thing for us is to understand that context, that this was where... Uh, the region of Galatia with those places like um, Antioch, uh, Iconium, Derb and Lystra, these, these are the places where Paul set up the church. He went there and preached that gospel, that thing that we've just spent singing about. Those last two songs grab the whole meaning of this quite significantly from my perspective. You know, we're, we're singing about the freedom that Christ gives us. We're singing about the grace that is ours as a result of what happened at Easter. So as we, as we then, and to look at the, I've brought a friend along that I want to uh, help me just share the, the verse with you um, here. He's um, hidden away a little bit. Uh, right? And so my mate, previously unnamed, I'm going to call him Nick, and that'll become um, fairly evident, you know, what are you looking at? Who are those people? Well, they've been here all the time. I didn't see them. Yeah, but that's because you're in the bag down there, you nut. Okay, so wh- what's that in your hand? Oh, it's a letter. Well, are you going to read it to us? No. Why not? Don't read letters. Why, why don't you read letters? I only read email. Oh, give it to me. I'll read the letter then. Here, let's have a look. Who's it from? I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Tell me, who is it from? Look, I'm telling you. Hang on, just a minute. I thought you said you couldn't read it. I can't. All right. So we've got here a letter. It says here, just have to put it down for a second here. It says, um, this letter's, oh, it's, it's from a guy called Paul. Paul? Yeah. He's, he was an apostle. Um, it says here, we go, put it out there. the right area alright so Paul was an apostle it says I know him really important yeah I know it says here I'll read it to you it says Paul an apostle sent not from men nor by a man so he's really important Yes. Yeah, sh- don't interrupt here. but he was sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the, raised him from the dead yes he did how did he do that well listen to the story there's a whole lot you probably don't know right? alright and to all the brothers and sisters with me, it says. So Paul was the guy writing the letter. What does the letter say? Well, I'm getting to that. Just a minute. It's so, great. okay. It says here, to the churches in Galatia, it says. pull it up there so you can read. Look. Is that where we are? No, it's not where we are. We're at Hut City Baptist, but this was another area of churches. Where is that? Well, it's in another part of the world. If you were awakened out of the bag, you would have seen the map. Okay. So, so what does it say here? It says, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I like that. So do I. I think that's pretty cool. Who gave himself for our sins. What's that? What do you mean? Gave himself for our sins? Yep. Well, that's the whole story of Easter. That's the whole whole thing that we've been singing about and learning about, is that Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose on the third, third day, because of our sins, I haven't got any sins. I well, let's have a talk about that later, shall we? <laughs> it says he rescued us from the evil age. I know the evil age. in the Bible, no age of empires. No, not that evil age. This is the evil age. The things that are kind of conspiring to lead us astray here. Right? I believe you. All right. So to whom glory forever and ever. Amen. Is that all? No, that's just the start of the letter. He Then he says, look, I am astonished. So I really like them. Well, I'm not so sure about that. He must have. He was astonished. But, well, you can be astonished in one of two ways. I think he might be not quite as impressed with them as perhaps he could have been. What makes you say that? Well, he goes on. He says, I am astonished... That you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. That's no good. I know it's no good. That's why we're reading it. Tell me more. Okay, I will. I will. He says, evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. What does that mean? What, pervert the gospel of Christ? Yeah, well, they were trying to tell them all sorts of things. Like, these were the Jewish people who were really trying to make them say, well, don't believe everything that Paul said. Why not? Well, they had different beliefs. Like what? Well, they had beliefs about the food you should eat. It's good to eat food. Yeah, I know, but they were trying to make rules about certain types of food and saying you could only be a Christian if you only ate those types of food like being vegan well sort of I suppose but it's more it's more different types of food that were in the Old Testament part of the Bible oh I get it what else well he said things like uh, they they had to observe certain things when they were worshipping together and and, and that they, they were particularly keen that they had to be uh, circumcised circumcised what's that oh You don't like that idea, right? Okay. He says, so he says, we go on here. So he answered them and he said, Look, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. Wow. Well, what? That's pretty wicked. I know. That's a pretty awesome thing to say, isn't it? It's sort of... Do we want to be under God's curse? and he said it again he says and we have already said and now I say again if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted let them be under God's curse wow okay well, what happens next well I'll tell you what happens next I'm going to sit you on a seat over there so you can listen in because I'm going to explain a bit more my hand's getting warm alright Alright. Yeah, you dozed off alright so you can tell he's really interested um, well I, I hope part of that sort of made the story uh, uh, kind of accessible to you this is, this is the book of Galatians if you read the book of Romans he goes and he starts the book of Romans all very serious and bit by bit by bit various other books of the Bible and he comes in and he starts explaining book of Galatians just starts with this I'm astonished he's angry he's really mad he spent all that time on the first journey going through the Galatian area to those churches, suffering personal abuse, all that sort of thing, but setting these people up and, and putting them on the, on the right path and sharing the gospel. And now he hears stories that they are being perverted in this, they're being led astray. And we all sort of think, oh, well, that's you know a history story. The challenge I want to bring today really is, is this not something that we need to be taking notice of still. right? If we come back to that Christian the the message of Easter, love, hope, and grace, these are the same themes through the book of Galatians. That is the gospel message that Paul is saying to the Galatians, as you'll hear over the next five months or however long it's going to take us to get through the book. It's um that is the thing that keeps coming back to. That Jesus The one who died on the cross, was buried, and then after three days rose again, and who then appeared to the disciples and left them with the promise of the Holy Spirit. That is the gospel. And the heart of that gospel is what was in that earlier verse, that the reason for that was to save us from ourselves, from the the stuff that isn't aligned with what God would have us be and from the evil age that we're a part of. And the key thing about that is the Jews had come in and weren't necessarily disagreeing with that, well, a lot of it, but they were saying the way to get it was by works. It was by doing stuff, by observing particular rules, by observing things that were set out in the Old Testament and so forth. Whereas Paul was saying, it's about faith. It's about faith. And those of us who are sitting in the room today, following the Easter that we had last week, that's that's the challenge for us, is what does faith mean to us? And on what is our faith grounded? Where do we find the foundation for our faith that then gives us the ability to love, to have hope, and experience the grace of God and so that's really where the the whole message comes together now I was doing a bit of thinking about Galatians and where we are now because we've talked about Ukraine we've talked about Anzac we've talked about Easter can't um, forget the fact that we're also in the midst of a pandemic and I've put some thoughts together about what could we learn then about Galatians today What's, what's some relevance? And you'll think I'm, I'm sort of skimming a little bit here because I'm, I'm assuming and pretty certain it's going to be covered in depth as we come. So this is the sort of taster. This is the prequel. But one of those things that um, I was reading or li- actually listening to a podcast early in the week and the speaker was talking about the extent to which you know, prior to um, lockdowns that happened, we'd really become quite used to church happening on a Sunday. That was church. Now when I say we, that could apply to us, but I'm talking about the church more widely in the world. That um, It's all about what happens on Sunday. And oh boy, if those musicians play out a key again, I'm not going back to that church. Or if they sing that song that's not this. Or if the preacher says that word again or you know, goes back to that, I'm not going back again. Oh, if they have don't have the the coffee urn hot enough for the coffee afterwards, that's going to, all this sort of stuff. And we've all got our view about what church should be. But the idea is that it was very narrowly focused on Sunday. Now, the blessing I feel is that we've, the the couple of years or so that Jane and I have been here, it's been a consistent uh, message in this church that that's not the case that we we have been encouraging people to join life groups. We've been encouraging people to participate in activities that help us to get to know each other uh, outside of the Sunday service and then outside the realm of the church itself. And we understand that our service for God is what we do in the workplace. It's what we do in some of our volunteer capacities. It's how we bring the gospel to life in this area that we are in. But generally... That, that seems to be. This seems to be something that the church has and needs to be awakened to. Lockdown made us realise that we need we need a new paradigm for church. I'm, I'm involved in education. The same conversation is taking place amongst schooling and in universities. That maybe we need to rethink the paradigm. It's not saying we do away with the physicality of place, but maybe there's more to it. And that's definitely the case for church. The thing is that the church being gathered, like we are now, remains important, but so is the church scattered. If Paul had only ever remained back in home base, how on earth would all of those churches that he planted on the three missionary visits that he had ever have have grown? The church present is important, but so is the church scattered. And then... The, the third thing, or fourth thing on my list here, just reflecting on that that wonderful splash page for the Marino Baptist Church. And, and any church you go into has that same sort of proclamation. And our vision here, sharing in faith, rich in love, release in action. You know, we want to be part of a great church looking for kingdom transformation. That's all very well to put up there. The challenge that I would bring to us this morning is saying, is that actually why What's on your heart? Is that written in your heart? Is that actually what's motivating you? Is that the, what the gospel in your life is leading to you? The last point's a little bit off course here, but it's, it brings it together. And that is that it's a reminder the greatest dangers to the church are actually often inside the church. And that's, that's the key message of Galatians for me. Right? That often we look out To the world and we see all this stuff happening and we see all the stuff that's going on from the outside, but in actual fact, some of our biggest challenges happen on the inside, and why? Because those little seeds as they did in the early church of Galatia take root and through conversations and particular views that people start to adhere to, they start to pervert the gospel There's, There's all sorts of activity that we've seen and witnessed in our community, right? In in broader, Lower Hutt, Wellington, and in New Zealand, over um, things like wearing masks, things like being vaccinated, right? And and that's inside the church as much as it is outside. And part of that is the confusion that we have around freedom and the concept of what Christ has made us free to be and released us to be free from. It's not a freedom that leads to hedonism. It's not a freedom that casts all aside and says, it's my rights over your rights. It's the freedom that he gives us to be released from the stuff that binds us, the stuff that in our life might be perceived as sin, the stuff that holds us back from being the very best that we can. That's the freedom that the gospel of Christ is all about. And so when we, when we look at this, I can't help but think, you know, conversation we were having last night about measurement. You know, things need to be able to be measured, or do they? And I think in churches, we get often carried away with, you know, the success we have a church, as a church will be measured by how big we are, how amazing our music is, how dynamic the preaching is. How many sales we can make of you know LPs or this ages me, doesn't it? You know CD. Well, you know through through online music stores now, right? And and yet we've seen over the last few years places like Willow Creek, Hillsong, conversations right now about a rise. All of which are from the inside. They're not being attacked from the outside. Being attacked from the inside. And what's giving the opportunity for this to occur? It's because there are some areas in which the alignment of the gospel are no longer there. There's been a distortion, a perversion. Might seem small, might seem inconsequential. And it doesn't just have to be big churches, it can be small churches. That church that Jane and I visited at Waimarino. They had they had a massive division only two and a half years ago, from which now they are starting. This was part of their restoration, and they were so chuffed by what happened on Easter Sunday as a result. You don't you don't have to be big. It's not it's not only these churches where that happens. So what do we do? What do we do about this? And how do we make meaning of of Galatians for ourselves? Well, instead of going back to Galatians, I just want to finish off that passage from. Mark 16, because this is this is Jesus' final message almost you know, to them. He says this is what he's said to do, and it's repeated in Acts, of course. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. You know? That's our response to the gospel. That's the expectation. That's the thing, and it's the part that should challenge each of us in the work we do. It doesn't matter what we do. Whether we're someone who plays music up here or who has an opportunity to speak like I am or someone in that daily job that I'm employed to do and the workmates that I work alongside, whether I'm raising kids at home and working in the community and down at the local play centre, these are all the God-given opportunities we have to preach the gospel. And preaching the gospel doesn't necessarily mean doing this it's about being it's about living those really those, the essence of what the gospel is all about the love, the peace, the joy, the hope and experience and faith and so Jesus sent these in my name you will drive out demons they will speak in new tongues have we started to experience any of that kind of incredibly miraculous stuff in our experience right? sometimes miracles pass us by because we're just so busy we're getting on with stuff we were challenged last night we were at dinner and um, someone asked my wife a question about something that had happened for her at the food bank and where she'd been away for a week and during that time the food supplies had just dwindled to almost nothing and Jane came home on the Sunday afternoon visiting I don't know how we're going to get through tomorrow there's nothing in the no nothing there Right. And so we prayed and the next morning someone turns up in fact I was thinking it was several something, with more fruit and vegetables than you've ever seen just kept coming in coming in and then teacher fra- and kids from Hutt Valley High turn up they'd had a mufti day or something rather and brought in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cans so anyway, and in that one instant there was enough food to feed the hungry that's a miracle alright But we need to keep our our antennae up because it's easy sometimes to overlook those sorts of things and to say, oh, well, it happened. No, it didn't just happen. It happened because in God's design, the gospel is about meeting the needs of the poor. It's about meeting the needs of the hungry. It's about meeting the needs of those who aren't yet in a relationship with Christ and who are still bound by the, the sin, bound by the stuff that holds them back. And so, we go on to the last little parts here. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, He was taken up to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, and then look, the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed His words by the signs that accompanied it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that the hope that we need to take? They didn't go out on their own. Jesus went up, sure. But he's present with them. They weren't doing it on their own. The experience they had meant that they could see this happen and the signs and wonders and the miracles happen. And so, rounding off, imagine the people from Waimarino come and visit here. What would they see? What would they experience? Or any other visitor, for that matter. I'm saying, oh, I've got two visitors with me here today. It'll be interesting to see what they say afterwards. Um... But one of the things that I feel particularly really liven about is this, because those three things there are the essence of the gospel. They are the essence of what Galatians is all about. It's about faith first, expressed in love, outworked in action. And so each time we come in over the next few weeks or few Sundays and we are listening to this, just remember that that is, that is how this congregation has chosen to define itself and to define the expression of the gospel. The challenge for us is one that says, I'm not talking about uh, why Marino. I'm talking about, in your mind, imagine if Paul were to be looking at what we're doing and writing a letter to us today. What, what, he, what might he say? Would he be admiring? Would he be astonished? And would he be saying that about the whole congregation? Just for a moment, give yourself permission to think about what that message might be for you personally. Because in order to step out in faith, we need to have discovered who God is personally. We need to have a relationship with God and a relationship doesn't work if it's g'day one day and then don't see someone for a year or so that's, that's a friendship and there are, there are special bonds that can tie you but a relationship is something particularly when we're talking about the relationship that God wants to have with us it needs to be expressed every day and so I just want to finish and sort of challenge you really and say a way of testing that is say what is it that drives you and gets you excited in the morning, about your relationship with God. You know? Is it Wordle or is it the Word of God? Very quickly, we can, we can get tied up spending hours and hours on something like Wordle or following YouTube clips. But that moment, that time you spend in the Word of God every day, letting Him speak to you through that becomes really important. Right? Is it coffee or is it confession? because Paul said at the beginning the gospel was at its heart about us being released from our sin being able to live free from the oppression of the world that we live in and that only comes when we freely confess before God can't do it on my own God I need you open my heart up here yesterday I really annoyed so and so I did such and such I, I had thoughts about taking more than I should have from here whatever it is it's being a clean slate with God and is it more about doing the crossword or having a conversation in prayer how much time do we actually spend in prayer with the living resurrected Jesus with God and how much of that is kind of like a, a wistful hope as I'm rushing to put a crumpet in here and a coffee there and rush out the door. Now, that's not to cast aspersion. I know we live in a busy life, but just like the opportunity that I and Jane had last week right on the top of Tongariro on the crossing, we've got to find those moments that give us space to say, God, how, how can you speak to me here in my life? How can you equip me? What are you asking me to do? What are you calling me for? So as we just finish, and I get to ask, I'd like to ask the, the music team to come up, they've chosen today a song that I think sums up everything that I've just said to you. And as we have this final song, I'd really invite you to ponder the, the message that I've attempted to thread together. I know it's been a bit all over the place. But there's power in the words of this song that you'll relate to what I've just been saying. And so as... as we sing, I just invite you to make this your prayer to God. While you're singing, be listening. Open your heart to say, God, what are you challenging me to do in the light of what I've just heard today, after Easter, and as we focus on what we've just heard in Galatians? Kia ora. Sing together.